kind of a grateful surprise mm. because I was so um, grateful how God brought everything around, you know, from the healing of our marriage to, you know, the, the wild pregnancy and then wild birth. And it really was like, you know, not just unassisted, but like wild as in just crazy and full of surprises. <laughs> Holy Wild's Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led, childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper, Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy, wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation, unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, though, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Hello, thank you for being here for this episode. This is another birth story episode. And for this one, both Lauren and I were able to sit down with a mutual friend of ours, Angie, and hear specifically her fifth birth story. We want to do a deep dive into just one, even though she has six. Um, One thing that's unique about this conversation with Angie is that she herself is a traditional birth attendant. Um, And so she has just kind of a different angle on things because of that being her life's work, as well as the fact that she is a mother of six and a follower of Jesus. So um, it's a really good story with a lot of redemption and beautiful surprises weaved throughout it. And I know you're going to love it. So pull up a chair, grab your coffee, and enjoy. As we dive into today's birth story, just a reminder that the choices and beliefs of the mamas sharing their stories here are as individual and varied as the storyteller herself, and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or recommended actions of Lauren and or Brooke. All right. Welcome to Holy Wild Birth Podcast. We have another birth story or probably a set of birth story stories for you today. So I am here with Brooke and our guest, Angie Hawk. And if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself, Angie. Well, thank you, Lauren and Brooke. It is an honor to be here on Holy Wild Birth Podcast. Uh, As you said, I'm Angie Hawk. Uh, Kind of my uh, professional name is the Nebraska Birth Keeper. I provide traditional midwifery services, and uh, I'm here to share a little bit about uh, my birth story, particularly my fifth. Uh, Did you want me to go into kind of how... Um, I started in birth work. Yeah, I think that's a great place um, to start. Yeah. Perfect. So 
my background, actually, when I was a child, I was closely connected to an unassisted birth community. Uh, my parents were not unassisted birthers, but they were friends uh, with a few people who were. And so I grew up uh, knowing home birth took place, particularly unassisted birth, and their community was just women serving women. Uh, so when someone would go into labor, there was just women who would come around and serve, or uh, and the family is very family-centered birth. And I grew up that, you know, that was normal as well as hospital birth was normal. Um, it was just kind of all a range of normal. And I really have to, that's when my interest began to peak and also credit uh, those families with my success, my own success in breastfeeding um, as well, because I remember uh, just these women breastfeeding their babies and how they were doing it and really kind of learning that. And as well as, you know, when we I grew up around uh, the children. We would play family and we would birth our babies at home, you know, with our dolls and we would uh, breastfeed our babies, our dolls. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a way to kind of cultivate, uh, you know, that that birth and breastfeeding and child rearing process. I so that's how that. I first became somewhat acquainted with home birth, um, interested yeah, interested yeah. in birth. So at a very young age, um, it wasn't a continued driving passion. It kind of waned a little bit as I grew. Uh, my first ba uh, my first four babies, actually, I have six children. Uh, my first four were actually all born in a hospital. And uh, I thought about home birth uh, with my first one and my third, and it just didn't end up being. Um, but uh it was basically my first pregnancy when I began to get reinterested in natural birth and started going down that journey of researching about everything I could possibly do to um, have an unmedicated birth, um, what that, you know, what that looked like, uh, you know, uh, intensity management, you know, contraction management, as far as, you know, uh, back then, which has been almost over 18 years ago now. <laughs> It was a lot of the breath work still, yeah. like, um, and the 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 old fashioned breath work, um, old fashioned, not the new, not <laughs> the the hee hee ho ho. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that old fashioned <laughs> breath work <laughs> um, that we really don't teach anymore, <laughs> with good reason. Um, but uh, exactly, so. Uh, but through that and through that experience, I began to talk to a lot of other moms who were experiencing pregnancies about, you know, basically introducing them to unmedicated birth and how to, you know, plan and equip yourself um, as best as you can in a hospital scenario. And that was kind of how my birth work slowly began. Uh, started off as a pregnancy doula as at a volunteer basis where I would just help women build birth plans. I wouldn't show up to the birth at all. I would just help them through their pregnancy, help them build birth plans and know their options. It was uh, 2013 when I started attending births as a doula. And very shortly after, after my fourth was born, immediately after my fourth was born, received my call into midwifery. That's beautiful. I feel like we need to hear a little bit about what that call looked like because- yeah. <laughs> I always love hearing how that comes to different <laughs> birth workers and midwives. Absolutely. So uh, during um, my fourth pregnancy, I really wanted uh, water birth. 
And the only way to do that where I was located was actually two hours away from me uh, in another city. And I wanted a a midwife. So uh, the only midwives that we had in Nebraska that aren't home birth midwives are CNMs that attend in a hospital. That was the only type of midwife. I wasn't really acquainted with different types of midwives at that time, um, just the certified nurse midwives. And so I laid in my pregnancy, hired a certified nurse midwife, and we were going to go two hours away and birth our baby at the hospital there. And that's where it was during the birth that I realized um, not all midwives are the same. And I hired her to be my advocate and to be on my side. And I really felt like I was fighting her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things that I wanted to do in the water, like certain positions I wanted to be in. Uh, I could not, um, but she wouldn't let me be in those positions. So uh, that was really, that was really rough. And at the end, I ended up flat on my back um, again and in, in a Mick Roberts position. And it was really unnecessary. Uh, so that's, uh, I walked away. And then afterwards, oh, the fight on the vitamin K and just different things. I always want to be by my baby. And so when they, you know, and I was, the, do- the hospital staff was pretty supportive, but it was all like, you know, even when they did the newborn exam, it you know, I came with and they were like, you know, like, oh, okay. Um, but uh, it was just uh, different. And I walked away. I was like, you know what? Nebraska needs better options and I'm going to be it. So from that point on, I started studying uh, for midwifery. And after that, very shortly after that, I needed to decide what type of midwife I wanted to be. Uh, so, did I, you know, I found out there was different types of midwives. And so I needed to choose my path. Yeah. Um, that is when Indie Birth came in the play. And with Marin Green, I started listening to her podcasts. And then I joined uh, the Wise Women Circle. And really, that's uh, she was the one to really help direct me into traditional midwifery. And that became very, very clear that that was the path that I was supposed to take. Yeah. So that was how I directed my training and my education from then on. And that's where we got mm, to meet I love you, it. or that's where I got to meet you, at least, was through the wise woman yeah. circle. Yeah. Well, I know I'm having flashbacks to the the old Voxer group that we mentioned in episode one. Where, yeah, it was so great to be here with you both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And then in 2017, in January, actually, of 2017, I opened my doors uh, as a solo um providing traditional midwifery. That's awesome. That's super awesome. So I'm assuming since you kind of mentioned that uh, the birth prior to midwifery, even though you had grown up in this unassisted birth world, um, you didn't have, you had hospital births before going into learning the art of midwifery. And then that's what led to your fifth home birth, your fifth birth, but as a home birth. Yes. So uh, after our fourth, I started studying in midwifery. I was getting my practice uh, or not practice, but services all in alignment. And my husband was like, we're done having children. He goes, you know, I, I need to be done. My quiver is full is what he would say to me. Uh, so he had a bisectomy 
And I always was a little heartbroken about it. Like I never felt our family was complete uh, at that point, but you know, I wanted him to be on board as well. So there was, there was that. And now I was preoccupied a little bit with uh, building my own services. And so I was busy and it was like, okay, you know, kind of settled into a piece about that. Right. So that was uh, with the vasectomy. To clarify, was that And before? then as I, was that, okay. I'm sorry. Was that to before or after that his vasectomy was it? Pardon, what did you say? I think there's a delay. I said, is there said, was that before was, or after your midwifery practice opened? So uh, it was actually before I officially opened my doors uh, that we, because I started studying in 2013, uh, he had the vasectomy done in 2014, and then I opened my doors in 2017. So it was before, and so I was I was busy, so kind of preoccupying myself, but yet I was, um, I was also attending like unassisted births, and uh, it was just always kind of heartbroken to know that I never had a home birth myself, but... I was helping women. <laughs> so yeah. with that, but uh, so anyway, as I'm attending births, uh, my husband's actually watching these videos with me, these home birth videos. And he looks over at me and he said, wow, I really stunk during your births. Like I was, you know, he was not, <laughs> um, he's kind of one of those that he gets nervous and when he gets nervous, he cracks these jokes that are like, oh my goodness, did you really say that? Um, and it wasn't that he was unsupportive. It was just, he was just nervous. And um, he sees like these uh, uh, men in the birth tub and, you know, catching babies and just being so close to their wife. And he had actually uh, never uh, did that. He was always just kind of on the sidelines, so to speak. And so he's like, wow. And he didn't really like birth. Like he didn't like pregnancy and birth. And um, he realized a kind of, there was a transition in between uh, the fourth and fifth when I was studying things and talking to him about physiological birth and what it was really about, you know, the spiritual and the emotional components that he was like, he, he was starting to get it. And he would be, he was like, oh, wow, like I totally missed that. But so he was pretty much like, I want to do over. Yes. <laughs> As, yes. So he started looking into a reversal, wow. a reversal of uh, surgeons across the nation. Uh, and it was, I was kind of like on the fence because this was early 2017. I just opened my doors and, you know, I'm really busy and I'm like, wow, to, you know, have a newborn in the mix and how's that going to look? And, you know, we got it, we got to a point, you know, our youngest was almost four and it's like, mm. but then I was, I was praying to God and I said, you know, Lord, what do you have for us in this? And, you know, I just kind of came back with, you know, uh, midwifery and the ability to travel internationally for midwifery. Cause I was also wanting to do more of that, you know, that will always be there but the ability to have my own children will not. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. uh, so he uh, found a surgeon in St. Louis that specializes in bisectomy reversals. That's all this surgeon does. He's a microsurgeon. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> so uh, he arranged it. And on his 40th birthday, 
we uh, had his reversal done. And it was really neat because the surgeon at first was like, oh, he looks at me and he's like, you can sit out in the waiting room. And I looked at the surgeon and I'm like, actually, this is what I, I you know, I, this is what I do as far as, you know, midwifery. I said, can I come back and watch? <laughs> of course. And he was did. like, of course. <laughs> he, he was looking at me like, uh, but he did let me. He's like, he goes, just please don't touch anything because obviously it's a sterile environment. It's a surgical procedure. Uh, but he's like, don't touch anything and you just stand where you need to stand and things like that. So it was really cool. So I got to come back uh, and watch the whole thing. I even took pictures of it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. With, with my husband's consent, even though I, yeah, I had to get his consent after the drugs wore off too. <laughs> so, um, but it was really awesome. And they actually did it under a microscope. Uh, the the um, sutures are actually a third of the length of a human hair. So super, super tiny. Um, this surgeon has a 97 cent percent success where success rate impressive if you have it done within four years um so we were actually coming up to that four year hmm. or four year mark of when he had had the vasectomy so uh that was really cool um so we had the reversal done and then uh you, you know the healing process um However, shortly after that, uh, my marriage actually took a turn for the worst. Uh, We really struggled afterwards. Um, We had a series of events go on. And um, yeah, it was, uh, we were, we were in really bad shape. And uh, this was, this would have been January um, uh, 2018. And it was actually the end of the month. And I was actually planning on filing for divorce mm-hmm. uh, the next week. Uh, that's how bad things were. Wow. Uh, when I, it was a Saturday and I realized I had missed my period. And I was like, oh. So oh. I uh, like completely like out of the window. <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, I took a test and it was positive. Hmm. And, uh, that's, uh, yeah, basically that starts the point that didn't really start the point of our healing journey, but it really made me pause yeah. uh, to reevaluate what was going I on. Bet. So I don't say I, we, I stayed in the marriage because I was pregnant. Um, however, I did want to reevaluate, uh, after about a month after we went to a marriage conference, uh, and that's when things at more, more of a marriage intensive actually, uh, and that's when things started turning around and we decided to start working. Um, well, we'd kind of been, we'd been working on my marriage. My husband actually more than me. I was so angry that I was not mm-hmm. uh, wanting to work on the marriage. But God had really softened my heart in March of 2018. And we had decided that we were going to give this everything mm-hmm. we got. It's a brave, so brave, that- brave thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it really was a beautiful thing. Um, you know, we always, both of us say, because there's no way I should have gotten pregnant in January. Like we, yeah, no way. But really God brought that about, um, you know, because God knew we really needed that. Yeah. So um, it's like a baby mm-hmm. pause button. So it's amazing. This, uh, beautiful. So 
Yeah, that I needed. Yeah, I needed something that required that had me hit the pause button. And then a month later, God started facilitating that healing. And really, that was a lot of Killian's pregnancy emotionally was uh, healing that marriage, uh, building that trust and basically starting again to Hmm. rebuild our marriage house. (laughs) Yeah, that's so powerful. That's such deep work to be doing during a pregnancy. But wow. So cool. I just love how God uses each baby, each baby's coming to accomplish different things in our hearts and our lives. And Killeen has so much meaning. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it was a very powerful time uh, for us and uh, building of trust. Thanks for being vulnerable about that too. And like, and real about that, because you're certainly not the only person who's hit patches like that in their marriage that feel impossibly difficult. Um, And I just think it's always really encouraging to my own heart, even to hear people who push through that and say, I'm not going to give up. And, um, Mm -hmm. but not everyone will talk about it. So thanks for talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yes, his marriage uh, or, or, or his pregnancy, Killian's pregnancy was unique as in the emotional and spiritual state of healing my marriage as well as the physical state. So that, it was kind of just interesting all the way around. If uh, I'm okay to continue to share about that. Please. Yeah. Great. So um, we knew when we became pregnant that, I, you know, Home birth. It was, you know, we are both definitely unified on that. Um, obviously, that's you know being a part of what I've done. Um, that that was what we wanted to do, and that um, I was planning on an unassisted pregnancy, unassisted birth for the most part. There was there's not a lot of midwives around the area, and um, yeah, so I was going to set off. We were going to do it on our own. And of course, I had the equipment and I had the knowledge as well. Um, however, I was a little, uh, oh, uh, surprised by how much I do not know my own body. <laughs> <laughs> so how I can be so in tune to someone else as far as what's going on. But when it comes to myself, sometimes I wasn't, I was like, wow, this is so unique. I don't know what's mm-hmm. up. And however, I was surrounded by many, many awesome midwives uh, who also could pour into me. Yeah, Lauren being one yeah. of them uh, on our Voxer group who really could speak into me when I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on. But um, we were unified on the decision, you know, unassisted birth, unassisted pregnancy. And so as a time went on uh, through the pregnancy, things started to get kind of unusual as far as uh, after I hit 20 weeks, I was um, measuring uh a lot larger than I should have been. Um, From 20 weeks on, I was measuring anywhere between seven and nine weeks ahead of time. And we thought, oh, this is, okay, this is unusual. So we actually thought maybe twins. Uh, Killian was also posterior. And so it felt like an octopus in my stomach. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was like, you know, all these things. And it's like, okay. So I was even actually having other midwives palpate my belly. I went to a midwives conference, like in the middle, I I think it was like 28 weeks. Um, and I had other midwives listen, like with, a, with fetoscopes and palpate, and they thought it was twins as well. Wow. Um, 
Actually, I think it was 24, 24 weeks. So I was like, oh, you know, this might be really, really happening. Um, I also, my my needs, uh, nutritional needs were mm-hmm. higher, a lot higher. Um, I was exhausted all the time. Um, it is, uh, my hemoglobin had dropped a little bit more than I would like. <laughs> so I was adding a lot of supplementation and um, things like that, more than I would need to with a, with a, my other pregnancies. So it was just very, very interesting what was going on. Um, but not really like, I don't know, just so many questions, um, about what was, uh, what was happening. I felt kind of depleted. And so at 26 weeks, I did go in for an ultrasound. Um, I was, I was kind of up in the air about that, but then I was, I actually ended up leaving the country at 28 weeks to train in London. And I just thought, oh, I really need to know. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to leave the country and fly overseas to really, you know, for like me to have to get some assistance and then, you know, not know how many babies, like, yeah, you know, if there's, real. you know, you so many signs yeah, so that would lead you to think there might ex- be two babies. Exactly. And, um, yeah. So, uh, but we found out there was just one. <laughs> so, and that the rest was fluid, which is a, reason why I really couldn't pinpoint uh, his position a lot because mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of fluid. Um, not quite, basically borderline polyhydramnios, but they didn't diagnose that um, through that ultrasound. Um, but I kept getting bigger, uh, measuring seven to nine weeks, continuing with the, the rest <laughs> of my pregnancy. But um, so, yeah, it was just really unusual. And I was like, oh, okay. And everyone's like, oh, I'm sure there's, it's a surprise twin. There's a hidden baby in there. I just know it. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Did that then idea, did it. that idea thrill you or terrify you or some combination? You know, it was, I was just kind of neutral to the fact I kind of wanted twins, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, it was like, oh, well, whatever you have, Lord. I didn't want to set my heart on that and then like be so disappointed in my birth when there was only one. Uh, yeah. So it was just like, you know, whatever, whatever you have, Lord, um, I don't think, I mean, they were pretty thorough with ultrasound. So I was like, mm, I don't think so, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know, I guess there's always that realm of possibility. Oh, um, yeah. So later on in the pregnancy, I also developed a UTI, uh, which I tried to heal from a natural perspective, but it kept actually getting worse. And it was to the point that I did need some intervention. Uh, so I was like, okay, here we go, you know, with the antibiotics, which I really didn't want to take, but I tried everything else uh, for weeks and it was just getting worse. Uh, but sure enough, then I developed a yeast infection and it's like, here we go. <laughs> along that line. So <laughs> trying to recolonize the flora, um, vaginally and, um, it was kind of dealing with that. So it was, you know, I was measuring normal. I had all this fluid. I wasn't quite sure what position he was in. Um, but he was growing normal, you know, everything sat, was going great otherwise. Uh, but then I was struggling with the UTI and then the yeast infection. I was like, Oh, come on. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. And prior to this, I had had my first baby was born at 40 weeks plus four days. And then the next three babies were born at 39 weeks plus four days. Okay. And so I kind of calculated my due date to 39 weeks plus four days. Mm -hmm. 
um, and kind of had that as my due time. Um, but I never gone into labor early and I never felt like I would. So my husband comes up to me one day and he's like, Hey, our church men's group is going on a fishing trip to Canada. You know, you'll be, you know, 36 going into 37 weeks. Um, what do you think? He goes, I won't go if you don't want me to go. I was like, Oh, go. I never have a baby early. Like, never, you know, I won't go into labor early. It's fine. Go. Um, <laughs> but as the, the day kind of kept creeping up, I was like having this feeling that I was going to go into labor early. And I was like, mm, nah, nah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, um, and then it was about three days before the fishing trip that my husband's like, oh, by the way, I just found out I'm not even going to have cell phone service for like two days. Oh my. Like, because they're literally fishing between the U.S. and Canada on a lake, and there's not going to be any, like, he's going to be off-grid for two days. And I was like, oh, no problem. I won't go into labor early. It's fine. Like, it's, I'll be 37 weeks. It's fine. Like, um, so he goes with my blessing. And I did talk to, I had a doula slash photographer coming to my birth. And then I called my postpartum doula who also can, is a birth doula. And I said, Hey, in the event that my husband's not here, would you also come to my birth? Would you be on call for my birth? And, you know, I'll pay you accordingly. So you did kind of make like happens. a backup plan just in case. I did. I did just, you know, in case. And uh, my postpartum doula is like, sure, absolutely. She's also uh, my best friend. So is my birth. So is my birth photographer coming. Um, So, you know, it would have worked out. And my husband Lee was going to leave. I said, do you want me to even to attempt to call you if by chance I go into labor? And he's like, well, you can try. (laughs) I said, okay. Um, So he leaves and I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm not going to go into labor. It's fine. Uh, the day after I start contracting and I have bloody mucus show the day after. And yes, with mucus, bloody mucus. Oh, yes. With bloody mucus. And never had I ever had bloody mucus without being in active labor. Right. Most people don't. And I was like, I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, sit on the couch, lay on my left side. Am I hydrated? You know, like, let's get these things, you know, slow down and stopped. And they just kind of kept coming. And so I sit up and I just rub my belly and I connect with my baby and I say, you know, honey. And I thought this, I thought for sure this baby was a girl. Like we didn't even even consider this a boy. We didn't even pick out boy names. Like I was certain that this was my girl. And so around my belly and I'm like, Hey, sweetie, you know, if you really absolutely have to come like now, by all means come. But if you can at all wait until your dad gets home, he and I would really appreciate that (laughs) because this was supposed to be his redeeming moment. Right. Yeah. His (laughs) do-over. Yeah. So, um, So contractions kind of slow down. I'm like, okay, but they never really stop. They're kind of just intermittent. They kind of go like all over the place. And, you know, I go to bed and then the next day, kind of same thing. They're kind of all over. I have more bloody mucus, but I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm in active labor. Like, I don't think so. Like, I think I'm good. And then he comes home Monday and Monday, like no contractions, none. Like everything stops. I'm like, okay. It was just a fluke. 
I mean, my cervix is softened. I'm probably like ready to go, whatever. I don't know. Uh, baby's doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's Monday at 7 p.m. and he comes to the door and I'm like, hey, you know, welcome home. Um, you know, just kind of settle in, relax for the evening. And then we go to bed. And uh, it was uh, a little bit before one, I wake up and I'm having a hard contraction. And I'm like, oh. And so I start kind of timing this. Not that I'm into timing, but I'm always kind of curious. So um, so I just kind of keep timing, like not exact, but just kind of look at the clock when one starts and then look at the clock when another one starts. And they're about two minutes apart. And they're getting intense and really uncomfortable. And so I'm like, hmm. And I roll over and I feel a gush. And I was like, oh, is that what I think it is? <laughs> and um, I'd never actually had waters open um, on their own before. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, not Yeah. And so this was like, oh. And of course, I get up. Water's dripping down my leg. But the midwife in me is like, I'm going to take a test. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you need swap. to get on the amio swap. <laughs> swap. Yeah, yes. And so I take a, I, you know, and of course it's purple as I get out. So it's positive. And I'm like, yep, my water's <laughs> broke, which I already knew as it's dripping down my leg. Yeah. And I'm having hard <laughs> contractions. And I'm like, hmm, poor Tracy's been up for several hours because they kind of travel through the night. Uh, when he reached out to me, when they finally did get cell phone service, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of contracting. So they kind of beelined it oh, back sure. him and his buddies. And uh, so he didn't get really good rest. He'd only been sleeping like a couple hours, a few hours at this point anyway. And so I'm like, uh. so I wanted to like be positive, but like positively sure that I had to wake him up. But I woke him up and I said, hey, you know, my water's broke and I'm in labor. And so he gets right up, start. He's like, what should I do? And so I have him kind of prepping the bed and getting out the birth pool. I call my doula, uh, who's going to be my, also my videographer and say, Hey, my water's broke. I'm in active labor. And she's like, I'll be right there. But, and I almost said, and then she hangs up like, <laughs> Boom, hangs up. And I was not even a chance to say anything. And I almost, and I'm glad she did because otherwise I would have said, no, wait, no, wait, because my labors have all been long, yeah. like super long. Well, I shouldn't say super long, but you know, at least like my shortest one was six hours. And that was a long story induction. Like usually they're between like the 12 and 17 hour mark. <laughs> So I'm like, no, we have a lot of time. Like, don't rush. But um, I almost called her back to say, no, don't come. But I was like, eh, I won't. Like, should get here. And so she she came and I was like in hard labor at this point. But I still am like, no, I have hours to go. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> fine. And like each contraction, I'm like spewing all this fluid and like leaking through like I put a fresh pad in with like a heavy duty pad um, and I would just spew right through it onto the Chuck's pad. Like every time I'd have a contraction, I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is kind of crazy. Um, and then I get into the birth pool and I feel relief, um, but the contractions aren't slowing down. I mean, we're, it's just we're going for it, but they're tolerable. And I, you know, I'm still like, yeah, I'm like six hours away from birth. It's fine. And then I just, I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. And so I jump out of the birth pool and, um, I get, go to the toilet and I kind of bear down and I'm like, 
oh, maybe that's baby's head. And so, you know, I feel like inside I reach in and I'm like, oh, baby's still like, you know, clear, pretty high up there, you know, um, it's, it's not the baby. Like I seriously have to go to the bathroom. So, um, <laughs> I'm just going to get through this. Cause I want to get off the toilet as soon as possible. Yes. It's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I like bear down. I let out this huge grunt and Tracy and my doula come running in and I'm like, get out of here. It's just, <laughs> I think I'm, I know I'm pooping. I get out of here. And then uh, all of a sudden, I continue to like grunt down, and all of a sudden, baby's head just hits my pelvis. <laughs> and Tracy throws me a towel in the meantime, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" I jump up and I'm like, "It's the baby!" <laughs> and I all I have is my towel in my hands, and I throw it on the floor, and I bend down, and out pops Killian's head, and then turns and flops into my arm. <laughs> Wow. Um, Like, I didn't even push at that point. Like, it was just as soon as his head hit my pelvis, there was no pushing involved. I literally threw that in a towel, bent down, and caught him. Crazy. Um, And uh, his cord was wrapped around his neck three times. And so, like, unwrapping a birthday present, I just unwrap the cord, and Mm -hmm. I just pull him up to my chest and start rubbing. And at this point, I don't even know it's a boy. Like, um, I just rub baby, and, you know, everything is fine. You know, he's fine. Um, I'm a little like, what just happened? Like, I've never had a short birth. I've never had a short labor. Like, like short labor. Um, I mean, I've delivered pretty quickly, um, but... Not like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, wow, it was just really intense. And so, um, and yeah, here I am on this towel. And of course, my bathroom is carpeted. Oh, no. <laughs> not catching, you know, so the towel's not stopping much. And, uh, and the placenta, like, literally comes flying out 10 minutes later. Like, it was just like, boom. And I was like, oh, um, I did say, like, in between time, like, hey, can somebody grab me something for the placenta? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> more than this towel. Um, and uh, so they did. And so I was able to birth the placenta on a Chuck's pad. <laughs> so at least we didn't have that mess. Um, but yeah, it was beautiful. My mm. birth photographer actually was videoing. Uh, she didn't get the vi- the birth on video because it happened so fast. Yeah. So I'm like, get out of here. So they left. <laughs> and then she, but she literally was catching pictures of the birth through my husband's legs as he's squatting oh, wow. in the, the bathroom. Because uh, I should have preferenced that my bathroom is big, but I was in the water closet. So the toilet is mm-hmm. separate. It's a separate okay. room. And it's this tiny little room. So he's standing in front of the door. Yep. Um, and so she's underneath, like, catching pictures as much as possible. Uh, so uh, there wasn't any, like, birth video uh, portion of that. Uh, but she did catch my reaction to uh, finding out his sex. So um, because I lean him over to officially announce it's a girl <laughs> to realize, and literally this is how it sounded. I lean the baby forward and I look and I'm like, it's a boy. <laughs> like with the strangest look on my face. And my husband's like, it's a boy. And I'm like, it's a boy. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Like I was not, I, who was I like connecting with in my womb? Because I didn't think it was really you. It's kind of disorienting. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, um, 
But it was uh, beautiful getting to know him over the next days and weeks uh, during mm-hmm. our baby moon. Um, but yeah, it was uh, just an absolutely beautiful, quick labor and birth. Exactly. Let's see. He was born at 2.35. So basically a little over seven hours from the time Tracy came home, what he was in our arms. Wow. <laughs> so so he waited. So baby absolutely waited. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, basically enough for him to get home, settle in, and then here I am. That's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. So born, um, my birth blog says he's born at 38 weeks exactly, but I need to change that because mm. I did. I forgot that I had moved his due time to match the 39 plus four. So he's actually born at 37 plus four. Oh, um, sure. Uh, weeks. So I need to to change that. I realized that on my blog the other day. I was like, oh, actually, he was 37 plus four. So the earliest baby I ever had, um, not my smallest uh, by far. He's my second smallest, but still at seven pounds, 10 ounces. Um, just, uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful story. And mm-hmm. we moved to the bed and just uh, snuggled in. Um, my six-year-old daughter was there. She really wanted to be present, uh, during, uh, his birth. And so she was mm. present and, uh, on the bed with Tracy and I, That's and, awesome. yeah, it's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful time, but, uh, very interesting, different pregnancy. Um, he was definitely more like my girls pregnancy wise, mm. but a lot of interesting quirks and then very interesting birth, uh, later yeah. birth. So as you were talking, the word surprises came to mind. I feel like this is a story full of a lot of surprises in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, God writes good stories. Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> he absolutely does. So absolutely. It was just, um, I was so, you know, gratitude also comes to mind, like kind of a grateful surprise mm. because I was so... I'm grateful how God brought everything around, you know, from the healing of our marriage to, you know, the, the wild pregnancy and then wild birth. And it really was like, you know, not just unassisted, but like wild as in just crazy and full of surprises. Truly. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, just very different than what, you know, he was not going to follow the status quo of my others. Sure wasn't. <laughs> sure. Um, and his name is Killian Lee. That's his full name, which actually means a small but fierce healer. Ooh, um, that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a good name. Um, so I have this one question come to mind. Like, this was your first birth since you became a traditional midwife. And I've heard that there's this thing called the midwife brain that is sometimes hard to turn off when you're in labor yourself and can get in the way. Now, what what was your experience with that? Was that the case for you or not so much? So I think that's, you know, where God came in and with the quick birth and labor as I didn't have time mm-hmm. to get into the midwife brain because everything was just moving so fast because it was, Hey, bring in everything so we can prepare. Uh, we weren't, you know, um, cause we didn't have anything set up. Like I was not having this baby that early. Like, <laughs> so, um, we didn't have anything really set up and prepared. So it was all like, Oh, get everything got to set up and prepared. And, um, so, and it just kind of kept moving. And I was like, 
in such uh, heavy labor from the start since I actually got out of bed that there was no time for that. Uh, my sixth one was a different story. Uh, but yeah, with my fifth, not at all. And I felt like that was kind of God's gift to me yeah. because that was a concern I had mm-hmm. going in that I would develop midwife brain because I was already kind of doing that with the pregnancy, like trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, this might be kind of a problem during the labor and birth. But no, it was not. I was just, um, yeah, I was just totally in mom mode and in labor land. I mean, I didn't even realize like five minutes before he's born, I still would have said, yeah, I'm six hours out. So um, it's a good thing we were going to have him at home because he would end up being born at home regardless. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just uh, didn't even have the wherewithal because I thought, yeah, I'm not even close. Like, yeah, it's just uh, I'm still a ways out. And then Boomy was here. So, (laughs) yeah, it was definitely uh, God's gift to me to have everything move along that way. And so I didn't have to get into that midwife. Have that time to get into that like overly analytical, like upper logical brain part of yourself. You were just riding this kind of runaway train into a <laughs> very quick yep. birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I, I would be curious to know too how Tracy felt about it, like in reflection, since he was looking for this to be kind of like a redeeming do-over moment. Now, because it was so fast, I wonder if he got as much of an opportunity as he would have liked to to exercise that that redeeming do-over. You know, I, I think he did. Um, I think he, it definitely was redeeming for him, uh, to be, especially because he was more hands-on in the setup and then Mm. just, you know, even though my birth part was still very much, he was very much on the sidelines, um, because I was like, everyone get away from me. And I was in a little water closet (laughs) by myself. He was still very much on the sidelines, um, for the actual birth part, but the labor part, he was very much, um, hands-on and helping to prepare. And then afterwards, cause he mm. was the one that really, you know, helped, uh, help me get up with my baby and carry my placenta bowl, uh, to the bed. And then was there, you know, snuggling mm. as we all snuggled in. Beautiful. So, you know, that, yeah, that was very redeeming and very beautiful yeah. for him to participate in. Like he was really present this time and conscious and aware and attentive, maybe in a way that he hadn't been before. He was, and he was attentive during my others upon request. Like I would have to tell him mm. exactly what to do. Um, I didn't have to so much. Uh, he was a little more intuitive and he wasn't cracking weird jokes. <laughs> so, so he wasn't, he wasn't nervous and that was beautiful um, more than anything. Cause yeah, I mean, even though, yeah, he was, you know, trying to be present during the other ones, he was just so nervous, you know, um, and just was like, not my thing, not my thing, uh, you know, uh, but he wasn't that way this time. It was, it was his thing. Um, and he was very intuitive and then he was not nervous at all. I, at least he didn't show it. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. So great. Hmm. What was your postpartum period for after this kind of adventure of a pregnancy and then a wild fast, furious birth. How did that translate into postpartum? (laughs) 
So it was a beautiful postpartum. Uh, my po- and that was something I had worked like literally from the beginning when I found out I was pregnant. Uh, with my four previous ones, um, I really bought into the American ideals of you should get back to normal as soon as possible, like normal schedule, normal normal genes, normal routine. Um, and with my fourth, I was actually wa- I walked two miles like with two days after he's born. Oh my goodness. And I wish somebody would have just like slap, (laughs) slap me across the face and said, get back to bed. Like (laughs) literally, um, cause I don't know what I was thinking. Um, you know, but because of that, I did have kind of rougher postpartums with the first four. So this fifth one was going to be like, you know, I learned all this uh, information in my midwifery training. And so the first thing I did when I found I was pregnant was hire a postpartum doula. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, that was going to basically come in and, you know, help with the kids, you know, help with cleaning, help provide meals. Um, I had actually gathered a bunch of nutritional recipes just in my training of things that I wanted, uh, wanted. I wasn't able to meal plan as much cause I didn't have the energy. Uh, but we set up like a meal train. Um, and then, uh, my postpartum doula also helped with that as well. And I kept a lot of good things on hand, like, uh, can't, you know, the bone broth already made, uh, chicken that was already cooked and made on hand and vegetables already made. And so I could just throw them together, um, quick and easy, or my husband could, you know, could, could, just throw them in the crock pot. And then I would just have like raw soup and things like that. So, uh, I had scheduled myself (laughs) scheduled, uh, to be at home for at least 40 days. Um, not knowing what that was going to look like. And I had actually pushed births out at least, um, for about four months, um, just to give myself a plenty of time. And I'm so glad I did that because I really did need more time, uh, for recovery. Uh, I don't know what it was, if it was the pregnancy, um, part of it, maybe age, um, who knows, you know, what it was, but it did take a lot out of me energetic wise. So I really wanted to take that time and I ended up staying home solidly for 34 and then you know, our first outing was actually to church and it was very, very smooth. So we had planned it. It was there and back. So it was only going to be a couple hours. Um, and I felt ready. I felt very, very ready to, to step out and kind of present him to the world. And, um, I felt like our, um, going to our church first thing, it just felt right. And so we did. Um, and then, yeah, during the postpartum, I'd also, uh, arranged for healing therapies. I'd arranged for my, uh, massage therapist to come in home. I had arranged for my chiropractor to come in home. Uh, I had arranged for, uh, the meal train I already said in the postpartum doula. Um, but then I had therapies like moxa therapy and vaginal steamy. I had all that ready to go here. Um, and then, I had herbs put together for like herbal baths and things like that. And then, um, after my 40 weeks, uh, well actually 40, 40 days, sorry, not 40 weeks, 40 days. Uh, we actually did a closing ceremony. Um, I, uh, both, uh, my birth doula and my daughter actually, uh, one of my, one of my daughters. So, um, did it together and it was absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, I I can't stress that enough as far as preparing for the fourth trimester is something that, you know, I've always talked to my families about uh, because really that's, uh, you know, yeah, labor, labor and birth are crucial, um, 
but also how you handle the three months afterwards are, you know, about as equally crucial and more long lasting, I feel like. So, um, so that it was, uh, definitely gearing up to that point through the pregnancy and planning, you know, as far as someone to take the kids and when Tracy would be home, those type of things, um, was, definitely well worth it because it was absolutely a beautiful postpartum. I love that. The question that comes for me is because it's not common that you hear of the same mom doing the like, you know, two miles on, you know, immediately postpartum, then immediately the next baby doing a full, completely honoring the fourth trimester in such an all in way. And so my question is, how is that in mindset? Like to have to like shut down the busyness. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the preparation kind of helps do that, but like in the actual rest of not doing and actually just being, how is that different? Or was there any struggles that came up? You know, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't really any struggles, but it was a mind shift because with my first four, I'm, I'm big into fitness. I still am. Uh, and to health. I love working out. I always have. And with each baby to the prior or the first four, I was back working out um, at least 14 days postpartum. Um, and not a great thing. <laughs> not a great thing. Wreaked havoc on my pelvic floor. Um you know, but, you know, I felt very proud of myself, you know, and I love fitness. And so, but there was uh, five years in between the fourth baby and the fifth baby. So, you know, during that time was all my midwifery training and all of that. But there was a, so there was years of education and training that I was learning uh, that I was like, oh my goodness, what did I do to myself? <laughs> I feel like, oh my goodness, I was so hard on myself. And then getting to a point too that, you know, fitness is always going to be there. You know, it's always going to be there. Working out is always going to be there. I don't need to fit the American status quo of getting back into my jeans or getting back to a certain fitness level by a certain period. Um, And honestly, that's not healthy. Right. It's just, it's just not. And I still cringe uh, when I see women like, hey, I'm back into my jeans at two weeks postpartum because I've been doing this, this, and this, you know, some women just naturally are like that. And, you know, that's great. But for a lot of women, that's not the case. And they work, they really work at it. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) like, no, that's not a great thing. Like been there, done that, got the t-shirt, made the mistakes. (laughs) And, um, So basically the mind shift of like, you know, fitness is important to me, but yet it's not the be all and end all. And it's not more important than my health um, and recuperating my time postpartum because really um, health, if I'm healthy, the fitness level is going to come along a lot faster than if I force it before it's, you know, the, before I'm ready. Um, and also the time with my baby, uh, I'm not going to get back and that, that bonding and that resting and yeah, just the chance for a full body, spiritual, emotional, and physical healing and bonding with baby. Um, it's just, that's such a small window that I was like, you know what? I am not going to miss this. So really it wasn't, um, laying around, (laughs) you know, wasn't, uh, bad at all. I really thoroughly enjoyed it and thoroughly enjoyed the rest. Um, knowing that I was nourishing my body, uh, in a way that, you know, 
being at a certain fitness level would not, um, and actually would hinder me in the long run. Yeah. hundred percent. So valuable. Yeah. Okay. You had that perspective this time that came from both your studies and from your just being a veteran mom. Like I think the more babies you have, the more too, you realize how fleeting it is, right? Like drink it this up while you can, cause it's going to be over soon. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I mean, I, I, lo- I just rejoice when I hear about somebody having a good postpartum after some that were bad. Like it makes such a difference yeah. for your mental health, Absolutely. Your family, like all the things. Absolutely. And I also looked at it as part of my education because, <laughs> you know, here I was telling moms, you know, how to experience a great fourth trimester based on education only because my first four, I had not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was my chance to actually put into practice not only what I taught, but also to glean and learn more about it and how to practically implement those uh, so I can share that with other moms. So really it was practice what I preach yeah, <laughs> or what I've been preaching um, and also uh, tips and tricks for how to do that and in what in time frames and things like that and what things kind of worked and what things didn't. Um, the one thing that was a little bit rough during my postpartum is through this, uh, through doing all these therapies, I I threw myself into a healing crisis Mm. and, um, about day 23, I got really, really like flu, flu flu-ish sick and I didn't have the flu, but it was a healing crisis. Um, because all of a sudden I'm eating all these nutritious foods, even though I was doing that during my pregnancy, but, um, I was just trying to get in foods in general. So I was really focused on certain types of foods postpartum um, and then doing all these therapies and whatnot. Um, and then I shared earlier, you know, I had trouble with the UTIs and the yeast infections. And I think there was kind of some residual yeast and bacteria because it actually came out. I started developing, I developed a horrible yeast infection Mm. on my skin, um, that I ended up battling for several weeks after the fact, um, just because it was, my body was healing. And so it was coming out. Um, and so that was, um, so part of that is like, you know, would I've done anything different, uh, not during the postpartum, but I think I would have taken a little extra care of myself, uh, during the pregnancy, Mm. uh, portion, as far as uh, just honing down a lot more what I what I ingested, what I ate, um, but you know we you do what you can, yeah, <laughs> you do what you can, yeah. and it you know it wasn't a huge problem by any means. It's still a beautiful postpartum. Um, the flu thing only lasted uh, a day or two. Um, the yeast infection was a was a little bit of annoyance, but it you know and it ended up coming up and out and out of the way. So, um, it, it was what it was. And I was doing things to heal that as well, uh, during my therapies. So mm-hmm. it, it just kind of like, Oh, it's there and it needs to come out now. So <laughs> better, better out than in. <laughs> so, I like that perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is so good. And I thank you for walking us through the journey. I mean, I think the context of your story is so much of what makes it so good. So I, I loved hearing that context leading up to you and then um, about the time that followed. And maybe we could have you back sometime to tell birth story number six. Ooh, um, I love that. Yeah. 
This has been a really great one. Um, and I know there's so many good nuggets to glean from it for the women who hear this story. So thank you so much for generously sharing. Um, and I guess a couple more things would be um, if you had one little nugget of truth or wisdom that you would want to pass on to a woman who is maybe considering a home birth herself for the first time. Um, and I know I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> what might that be? And then I'll ask you too, where people can find you if anyone wants to look you up and connect with you. Perfect. So, um, you know, a nugget of wisdom for someone who is considering their first home birth or wanting their first home birth is, you know, really prayer would be kind of my number one. Um, and also, um, you know, listening to your body, you know, our bodies are, you know, wise and also listening to the great midwife, God, <laughs> you know, um, cause who better to tell us about what's going on than him, but really following your intuition and his leading. Um, you know, my philosophy is, um, you know, I trust the creator and I respect the process. Um, so basically keeping that kind of in the forefront of your mind of trusting the creator and respecting the process, um, would be kind of my nugget there. So, and also can look at pregnant pregnancy, birth and postpartum as a whole unit and attend to all of those, um, I see, you know, so many women that attend to the pregnancy or most of the time it's the labor and birth. Yeah. Um, postpartum gets often neglected. Um, so looking at that as this is a whole package. So, which is why I say it's the fourth trimester. It's a whole package. Yeah. So make sure you're attending to each of those equally. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. All right. And whatever avenues of people connecting with you, finding you, following you that you feel comfortable sharing, would you like to share those? Absolutely. So people can look me up on my website at nebraskabirthkeeper.com. Uh, you can also find me at Nebraska Birthkeeper on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I am on Twitter. I don't ever check Twitter, so <laughs> you may not want to reach out to me there. Um, Twitter's beyond me. <laughs> me too. Me know. too. <laughs> I need some help. I've never even... <laughs> oh, so basically, but Instagram and um, Facebook, both of those are Nebraska Birthkeeper and then NebraskaBirthkeeper.com. All right. You're keeping it pretty simple. That's I appreciate that. Just Nebraska Birthkeeper everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, also my email, NebraskaBirthkeeper at gmail.com. That's pretty easy too. <laughs> so. Good. Okay. Well, thank you again. And um, I just value you, your wisdom, your insight, and your story. Oh, well, thank you so much. And again, thank you for having me on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's an honor to have you. So much of an honor. We appreciate right. you coming and sharing your story. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll be back and join us every week for each new episode. Please be sure to subscribe and share. Get the word out there. Mm -hmm.